I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. joining us for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Uh, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about our favorite books about foster care. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just gonna jump right into it. I actually, um, for this topic, I had kind of uh, a little bit of trouble more than more so than usual finding books, not well, not finding books, but finding books that I liked. Because mm-hmm. um, there were some books that like, you know when you read a book and it's like great and then the last page like ruins it like I found a lot of books like that um or like there'd be one thing in it that I'd be like oh this is like irredeemable like it wasn't like you could just pass over it It, there were certain and I won't name them but there were certain books that like in general I liked but then like they would say a thing that I was like oh I don't you know um it will be interesting to see if any of those books are books that ended up on my list they're not not. um at least for on my end I actually haven't I don't think heard any of have heard of any of the books that you put on your list so I'm excited to um to get into those but um yeah I know and I thought I did such extensive research (laughs) (laughs) but it's funny because I feel like I feel like that's what I love about like working with you is that I think our brains work differently and like what we're looking for um Mm. in some ways and like the ways that we do research I think is different because I mean clearly because I don't think I think one time we both wanted the same book um and then I was just like you could have it it's fine like whatever Um, (laughs) um, you were very passionate about it I was like okay take it um but but I think it's it you know it's it really speaks to the fact that we you know we sort of like research in different ways and I love that and like different things kind of stick out to us um so I, yeah, I think it's great because I, 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 in the beginning, I always, I thought when we started working together, I was like, oh, are we all going to just pick the same back when we were working with Crystal? I was like, are we all just going to pick the same right. book? <laughs> Let me tell you my take on this very same book that you've heard about twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, anyway. Um, so uh, the first book that I want to talk about was very, you know, I, I tend to pick very like on the nose books. Um, and I just touched my nose when I did that, like you could see me. Um, oh. On the nose. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so this book is, uh, called Maybe Days, a book for children in foster care. Um, and it is by Jennifer Wilgocki, maybe that's how I pronounce that name. Who knows? Um, she probably does. (laughs) I don't. And, uh, it's also by Marsha Khan Wright. Uh, and it was illustrated by Alyssa Imra Gase. And it's published by Imagination Press, um, who does a lot of, a lot of great work there, um, the uh, publishing company uh, by the American Psychological Society Association, excuse me, American uh, Psychological Association. Um, and so they do a lot of um, a lot of sort of what we tend to call like problem books, um, books about specific uh, issues and different things. Um, but they tend to be uh, very good. And I also I also spoke about um, one of their books for adoption as well. Um, so they tend to have books sort of about those kinds of, of different issues. Um, which are, you know, and they're generally by, uh, oh, that's my jazzy doorbell. <laughs> Someone coming uh, to pick up a bag? Uh, not today. I got rid of all 300 books. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a feat. That so, is a feat. This is like a side note, but I, um, yeah, I was able to get, I was able to get like whole class copies because I had like 
30, you know, 50, 60 copies of each, of each book. So I was able to give whole class copies. I was able to give to like school libraries. I was, I was so thrilled. Like I was able to give them to like um, uh, daycares and, you know, a lot of people took like large amounts of them, which was great. That is fantastic. Um, yeah. I was really happy that, that they all, they all went to people uh, who could really use them, you know, not just like random, you know, a lot of homeschoolers took them stuff like people who, you know, aren't, uh, you know, are paying for a lot of their own stuff, like teachers and, you know, so I felt right, ha- right. happy to be able to be like, hey, here's like, and there was a brand, a woman who was um, just starting teaching ethics and I was able to give her like a classroom copy of a book that was like perfect for, you know, her, her work. And I was just like, yay, because <laughs> it's so hard as a teacher to get funding and oh my God, you know. And it's um, so nice to know that the books are not going to sit on a shelf. They're going to be incorporated yep. into a curriculum yep. and on their end that they're getting really high quality books. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's what people were so excited that it's not just like, oh, they're not just any book. Like they're like diverse books. They're about, you know, all these great topics. So, um, so yeah, I was really happy about that. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I also had talked about, um, a book for Imagination Press uh, about adoption as well. Um, and so they, they just have a lot of great books sort of about kind of specific issues. And uh, most of the people who write uh, their books, uh, most of their authors are, uh, you know, people who have experience with those things. Um, so they tend to be, you know, either social workers or, um, you know, uh, doctors or uh, people who are working with those communities for the most part. Um, so basically, I mean, there's like not a whole lot, um, to this book as far as describing it. It's pretty like, you know, it's, it's just a nonfiction book that sort of breaks down kind of like what foster care is, some reasons kids might be in foster care, you know, how they might feel about their foster parents. Um, it also talks about like other grownups who might be involved, right? Like a judge, a social worker, et cetera. So it sort of breaks down. It's specifically, um, it's, I mean, it literally is a book for children in foster care is like the subtitle, but I think that you could use this book with kids who aren't in foster care. Like it doesn't sort of speak to the kids in a way that's like, you're in foster care. Hello. Um, you know, so I feel like you could, if, you know, maybe uh, if you're just introducing that idea to your child, uh, whether or not your child is in foster care, I think this does a good job of just sort of explaining like what foster care is mm-hmm. um, and sort of how it works and how, you know, what I really like about this book as well as the adoption book is that they dig into like how kids feel about it. Um and they do, for the most part, it's a lot of like, you might feel like this, you might feel like that, you might have mixed feelings. Um, and so I like, you know, I hate being told how I'm feeling. Um, we know this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that, um, that they, you know, kind of like there's one page specifically where they're talking about, um, you know, like some kids like their foster parents a lot, even love them. Some kids have other feelings about their foster parents. Some kids have more than one feeling at the same time. So like it validates all of those feelings or like they're talking about, you know, some kids get worried if they like their foster parents, they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or make anyone sad or mad, right? Like that, you know, if I like my foster parents, then um, is that invalidating my uh, family of origin? Um, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I really, I really like this book. I also, um, I just want to read the last couple of pages, which I really, I really like. It's talking about, you know, the book is called Maiden Days. And uh, at the end of the book is sort of where that comes in. And they're saying, you know, when kids ask questions, the grownups often say, maybe. Will I go back to my parents? Maybe. Will I stay with my foster parents? Maybe. Will I live with my brothers and sisters again? Maybe. Will I have more visits with my parents? Maybe. It can be hard having so many maybes. Any day can feel like a maybe day. Some ki- sometimes kids want to hear yes or no instead of maybe. 
the kids do the best they can in the middle of all the maybes. And even though waiting can be hard and babies can be hard, not everything has to be hard. A kid's job is always to be a kid. It's important not to let the waiting and the maybes get in the way of other things like going to school, having birthdays, playing with a pet, doing homework, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and most of all, being you. There's no maybe about that. Um, and so I, there's also a page uh, where it's talking about, um, I'm trying to, I think I wrote it in my notes somewhere. Um, yeah, they're, they're saying like a parent talking about like the family of origin, right? And they, they mentioned some, some reasons, right? The, the book sort of starts like all kids needed growing up to take care of them, but sometimes for different reasons, kids can't live with their mom or dad or just with their mom, dad, et cetera. And it sort of lists some reasons, right? Like sometimes kids cannot live with their parents because their parents hurt them, because a parent dies, because a parent has to be in jail, because their parents, you know, can't take good enough care of them, whatever. It sort of lists all these different things. And then at one point it's, um, it's talking about right a parent's talking about the family of origin a parent's job is to learn to solve their own problems and good parents a kid's job is to be a kid um and so while while i think that like you know, easier said than done, um, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that a lot of times when, when a kid goes through any kind of trauma or anything like this, right? Like, I think we tend to grow up uh, a little faster um, and, you know, take on some of those it's right. You can't, it's hard to like, not think about those things. Right. Um, but I think it's a good reminder that like your job is to be right. It's not your job to fix this problem, you know, right. Um, for the kid, because I think the kids in those situations probably take on a lot of that and a lot of guilt and a lot of feelings about like, did I do something wrong? Is there anything I can do to help, you know? Um, and so I appreciated that reminder. So moving into some of my way to go is sort of besides that one. Uh, like I said, I, I really like they talk about um, right in the beginning, they say it's not the ki- it's not the kid's fault um, that any of this is happening, which I really appreciate it. Um, also, I was talking about before, it validates the kid's feelings. Um, and uh, the illustrations are really, really beautiful. Um, they're, they're sort of like a little more stylized, um, uh, but they're just really, really gorgeous. There's lots of diversity in, in, the, um, in the colors of the kids. And I would say uh, not as much diversity in other ways, um, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, but especially the last page has, where it's talking about sort of a kid's job is to be a kid and all that stuff has this really beautiful, it's like, um, it's like stars in the sky and the kids are all like constellations. It's like constellations of kids doing different things, like mm. having a birthday and playing. It's really beautiful. Um, so the illustrations are just really lovely. And there's lots of great back matter, uh, which, you know, I love. Um, there's, you know, a note to foster parents and other adults. So it's talking about, right, like children's reactions, reactions that children might have. And sort of like for each one has information, right? Like loneliness, shame, guilt, confusion, and has information about sort of how to help kids um, work through those things, cultural issues and other dimensions of difference. It also talks about in the book, right, that like a kid might look like um, they're, it might not look like their, uh, you know, their foster uh, parents or foster family or the people in their new neighborhood, or they might. Um, so I appreciate that they also sort of touch on those kinds of differences as well, because I think that that's, you know, um, that's really important. I know when we, gosh, I can't honestly, I can't remember if it was the episode on adoption or foster care, but one of the parents was talking about, um, you know, one of their kids. So the foster parent was, or the adoptive parent, I don't, I don't remember which it was. The parent was white um, and the kid was black and the kid all of a sudden, I don't know at what age, like pretty young, like maybe three or four, um, was very like into their African heritage mm. and just like really wanted to know a lot about it. And, you know, um, and, 
so I think that like those, you know, those are things that kids are thinking about, right? And um, that are important. Uh, and I think, you know, so I appreciate that they touched on that and I appreciate that in the back, um, in the back matter, they talk about that stuff as well. So I, uh, you know, I appreciate it's like very, the back matter is like very um, lengthy and very, it's like three pages long and it's very um, uh, thorough. So I, you know, you know, love, love and some back matter. Mm -hmm. um, the only really room to grow I have, and I had the same issue with the book about adoption, uh, very heteronormative. Um, I didn't see any uh, like same sex families uh, in here, any people who read as queer to me or anything like that. Um, and, you know, there were some like single parent families, uh, which is great, but I didn't see any, uh, any kind of LGBTQIA representation in this book, um, which again, I thought, like, especially with when we're talking about adoption too, I thought it was funny that that wasn't included because like, these are a lot of the people like I know, I think almost everyone I talked to for foster care was queer, <laughs> if not all three of them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just like, like anything, there are all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. Um so yeah, I kind of uh, missed that representation. And there was one time, you know, I didn't write down where it was, but there was one time they did make a generalization where they were like, all kids feel this way. And I was like, what? Or they were, I think they were saying like all kids miss their home, you know, their like home of their family of origin. And I was just like, that's not necessarily true. Like, what if that was a really bad situation? And they actually are happy to be out. Of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought it was weird that they were like, all kids miss their home. I'm just like, most kids, some kids. Right. Like, it's okay if you do, yeah, or exactly. it's, it's, uh, it's okay to miss your home or right. Exactly. I thought that could have been phrased a little better. I, something I more just, validating rather than generalizing. Exactly. I try even like in my own care of children, like I try very hard to stay away from generalizations. Like, you know, there's a, this is such a Seth issue. There's a book called, I think it's 10 Little Fingers and 10 Little Toes. And I hate it because not everyone has 10 fingers and 10 toes. Um, uh, and I'm just like, like things like that, like with the kids, you know, I'll be like, how many fingers do you have? And we'll count them. And I'll be like, most people have 10 fingers. Or like, you know, how, you know, I'll be, when we're talking about body parts, I'll always be like most people or some people, depending on the context and what we're talking about. Um, because like, not all people have two hands, 10 fingers, two legs, whatever right. we're talking about, right? It was funny because, you know, Nora, one of the, the twins uh, that I worked with was talking about her back. And I was like, well, I think probably I could say all people have a back. I don't know if you can not have a back. <laughs> but like, I took a minute and was like, I think I could say all people. I don't think you could live without a back. But like, right. I took a minute and was like, huh. But not everyone's <laughs> back works the same way, right? Exactly, exactly. But it was funny. I just like took a pause. I was like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> But in general, I try to stay from general, in general, I try to stay away from generalizations. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, so that's something that I think um, kind of uh, put me off a little bit, but not enough to, uh, you know, turn me away from the book, but uh, enough that I, I might, if I was reading this book, I might phrase it a different way. Um, but in general, I really like this book. I think, like I said, I think it, even though it's intended for kids in foster care, I think you could use it, you know, um, if, uh, if you're just talking about different kinds of families, you can incorporate this book into that, you know, into a unit about different kinds of families or into introducing your kids to different kinds of families. Um, you could, you know, also like if your kid knows someone or is like, hey, that kid in my class is in foster care, like what does that mean, right? Instead of hounding that kid with a million questions, we could educate our child uh, on our own. Um, right. 
Well, and just that, yeah, go ahead. Well, the con I like also just like the concept of maybe days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that in this book, it's particularly about um, like family configuration and kind of where am I going to be? Where am I going to where am I going to live? But I think there's just that concept of how how hard it can be to feel uncertain and to feel unstable um, yeah. is something that you can use as an entry point to help every well, not every I don't want to overgeneralize, <laughs> but to help many children um, uh, empathize or understand or gain some awareness about, about the experience, um, that other, other people in their lives might be having. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I really, I like, I like the idea of maybe days as well. Um, I think, because I think that that's, you know, something that, again, this is not my own experience, so I'm, you know, thinking hypotheticals, but I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, it would be, like that would be really difficult to not know, you know, what tomorrow is going to bring. And I know the, um, uh, the, when I was talking with folks about um, their, their experiences being foster parents, they were like, yeah, literally one, like they called us in the middle of the night, like, Hey, do you want this baby? And we were like, okay. And the next morning our other foster kid woke up and there was just a baby there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's like even within, uh, you know, even within that stable environment for her, it was still just like, okay, we have a baby now. Right. <laughs> um, right. You know? So, uh, so yeah, I think that that's definitely, you know, that sort of um, uncertainty, um, uh, you know, would definitely be difficult. And right. I appreciate that they, you know, acknowledge that. And we're, we're all, we're all kind of living in maybe days right now, right? Like we're <laughs> yeah, thinking about right now, like what are we going to do for the holidays? Are we going to even try to, um, you know, we, uh, we have grandparents in our pod. Are we going to extend that to an, yeah. a prolonged holiday visit? Maybe we need to play that by ear even, right? You know, um, mm. and I and we talk a lot about kind of a trauma-informed response. And I think just helping helping people understand that there are children right? Like using this, using this book with educators, using this book with other children, like there are kids who are having this level of uncertainty in their day-to-day lives, like, you know, regardless of the pandemic, before the pandemic, um, just based upon their, their familial configuration and uncertainty around that, right? And so how do we feel experiencing this uncertainty and how, how can we continue to extend grace to children, right? As educators Mm -hmm. and as parents, um, how can we continue to extend grace and understand that there are kiddos that are experiencing this level of maybe and this level of of uncertainty all the time? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good sort of um, sort of route to empathy, and uh, and I think that's what like I, you know generally we're sort of and uh, I mean most of us are kind of cued into just as humans, right? We always want to empathize and share experiences and and. Um, you know, when someone's having experience, be like, oh, I can kind of relate to that through this thing, right? Uh, even if I haven't had that exact same experience. And I think that that's a great way to think about it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I'm going to, I'm going to jump into my second book. I think this is the only time I've o- only had two books. I know, um, I was shocked. <laughs> there were like, like well, 17. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, I just really, um, I felt like I wanted quality over quantity and I just couldn't find books that I really felt um strongly about and I was like I don't want to share books that I don't feel strongly about so I'll just share talk about the ones that I like um 
but uh but yeah so so that's why like i said i'm interested to to hear about yours because it sounds like you found some ones that i didn't even weren't even was not even cued into um english is hard um anyway so uh so the second book that i picked is a todd parr book actually called we belong together a book about adoption and families so it's meant um to be about adoption but i think it can work for foster care as well um and so it's uh uh, written and illustrated by Todd Parr, who does a lot of great, great books, um, and is published by Little Brown, who we've talked about before, who does uh, a lot of, publishes a lot of great books as well. Um, and so basically, it's just, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Todd Parr, there are books for younger children, very bright colors, um, very like simplistic kind of childlike drawings. And uh, they're sort of, you know, t- tend to be kind of like rhythmic. And, um, and so this one, I'm just going to sort of like, read a couple a couple of excerpts from it um but it just you know it just to get an idea of what the book is like so it starts out with things like we belong together because you needed a home and i had one to share we belong together because you needed someone to help you grow healthy and strong and i had help to give Uh, you needed someone to read read to you and we had stories to share um, and so it just sort of goes on with thing with things like that. Um, and it's very, again, it's a very short book um, intended for kind of younger kids. And this, <laughs> I was laughing because usually when I cry, um, I like, you know, uh, it's, it's about any, really anything, but you know, when I all like read something touching or whatever, and I'll start tearing up, it's because I, it's, I need my testosterone shot. Like it's almost always because like, I just don't cry anymore a lot about things like that. Um, and it's always because I almost always because I need my tea and I, I was laughing with Kat because the last line of this book made me tear up and I was like, it's not even my testosterone week. So this just must be really touching. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, so the last line of this book says there are lots of different ways to make a family. It just takes love. Um, and so I, you know, I really liked this book as like the maybe days, for example, is more for older kids. It's recommended from like four to 10. Um, and so I, I think this is a great book for younger kids um, to sort of, uh, you know, less, uh, less like facts all in your face and more just like, hey, like, you know, we can, uh, you know, families can be made in lots of different ways. And, um, you know, that that kind of idea um yeah I just like that it's kind of simple and rhythmic and it's just like a sweet little book um without you know being sort of as heavy uh, as as a book like maybe days um and uh, the only thing it's my same problem and like my problem in most books uh is it's just very heteronormative which like come on Todd Parr um <laughs> because Todd Parr has great books about different kinds of families that are not heteronormative so I'm like why couldn't you have incorporated like incorporated that into this book like it's just it's like to me I'm like you know there's something like you don't only need to include diversity and types of families in a book that's about types of families exactly (laughs) and particularly because this book is about types of Um, families it's even a little bit more egregious (laughs) and it's supposed to be and it's intended to be about adoption which again we've talked about a lot of people adopting are same-sex families and queer families So like, you know, uh, that to me was, uh, again, a a missed opportunity. Um, But overall, uh, I just, you know, I really liked it. Again, I thought I sort of wanted to showcase one maybe for like a younger age group and one for a little bit of an older age group. And um, it really, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of just a sweet, sweet one that could be used either for foster care or for adoption. Um, But yeah, 
So those were my two picks. I'm excited to hear about yours. Okay. All right. Let me queue up the right tabs. (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, the first book that I want to showcase is called Families Change. And the subtitle is A Book for Children Experiencing Termination of Parental Rights. Hmm. And this book was written by um, Julie Nelson. And she is uh, an instructor at the University of Minnesota Center for Early Education and Development, and is also a teacher and a home visitor for the Families Together Preschool. Um, And the illustrator is Mary Gallagher. And Mary Gallagher um, is an artist and also an occupational therapist and is the pediatric occupational therapist um, for the Families Together Preschool. So it sounds like these two... um, these two worked together and decided to put together um, a series of books um, under the umbrella of Kids Are Important. That is kind mm. of the series of books. And I the love first that. One... they are important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the first one in the series um, is called what came out in 2005. Um, and is not the one that I'm featuring today. And so, of course, I cannot manage to track it down in my millions of tabs. Oh, okay. The first book in the series is called Kids Need to Be Safe. Mm. That came out. Oh, in... I think I did see. Look at these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the one that is right. a book for children in foster care is the subheading of that book. Um, but I chose to feature Families Change. Um uh, for a couple reasons, but, um, yeah, so kids need to be safe came out, I believe in 2005 and then families change was published in 2007. And both of them are written by Julie Nelson and illustrated by Mary Gallagher. Get back to the correct tab here. <laughs> you and your tabs. I know. Um, all right. The book begins with the following. It says, well, there's an author's note that says each child's life experience is unique. Adult readers of this book are encouraged to adapt the language to match the needs and experience of the individual. Oh, I like that. Um, if a child has experienced chronic abuse from parents, consult a therapist who understands the child's history to discuss what messages about family history will best support the child's healing. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that I liked the idea, you know, we talked about, we don't want to generalize. I like the idea that they're saying, hey, this even this book might not be for every for every child, it might not be an appropriate message for every child. So if so, um, make sure that you're working with someone knowledgeable to figure out the messaging to support the particular child in your care and their lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it begins, it says, all families change. And I know we talked about not generalizing, but as I read this, I was I like, that's true. Like that's true. That's <laughs> true. Point, right yeah. like death yes. is uh, inevitable down the line and right so um so I was okay yeah. with that I feel like, there are some like, things <laughs> that are okay to generalize if right. they're but, but I feel like it's it's a matter of thinking about is this true or not right. <laughs> when you generalize I, think, I feel like that is true that's okay <laughs> and so, and all families change a family changes when someone new joins the family sometimes a baby is born or a grown-up gets married Sometimes a child gets a new foster parent or a new adopted mom or dad. Um, and what I liked about that line 
the sometimes a child gets a new foster parent is that it's centering the child as the mm. kind of um, um, fulcrum of the family, right? We're talking yeah, about not like child. a parent gets a new child, but a child gets a new parent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the child is experiencing a change in their family. Um, so I liked that, um, that mm-hmm. centering of the child in that way. Um, and so that flows from there to talk about um, examples, right, of someone new joining, examples of someone leaving, examples of people and families change, um, changing, like growing up. Um, and so, and when it does talk about someone leaving the family, it says someone in the family might move or be gone for a long time. Moms or dads or brothers or sisters might be away at college, in the army, in the hospital, in jail or in treatment. So kind of just normalizing all of these different experiences of, of someone being absent from the family and for whatever reason. Um, and so it talks about all the ways that families can change, right? And then it talks about um, some changes are happy, some changes are sad, some changes are happy and sad at the same time, right? So kind of normalizing all different emotional responses. Um, and then some families change in big ways and kids might have more than one mom or dad. Kids might have a birth mom who took care of them when they were little and a foster mom who helped take care of them when they were bigger. They might have an adopted mom who is a new everyday mom. Um, and I like the messaging around that, but my room to grow there is that it really does stop at moms. It does not <laughs> mention only, any, only parent. any other caregiver or caregiver configuration. So I get the, I, um, I understand that it's kind of an example, but yeah. um, just well, I, can I jump in for a minute Of course, and just say that I, I, in general, like, I find it really frustrating um, when moms are centered as the caregiver all the time. Uh, and even in like, I'm thinking about, um, because I'm in a lot of like parenting Facebook groups and a lot of them will just be like moms. And I'm like, first of all, what about dads? Like, (laughs) that's weird to me. Like even in straight people society, like what about dads? And, And, you know, and also what about other kinds of caregivers, right? Like there are so many different kinds of people who might be taking care of a child. And I think that it's really strange that we have this like hyper focus on moms, um as the only care because like so they could be living with a grandparent they could be living with an aunt they could be living with a you know a parent who identifies you know not as a mom or dad right like so many different kinds of of things um and so I just you know I think that that's also something to think about you know for folks who maybe are writing books or you know doing this it's just like you know moms are not the only (laughs) the only caregiver that exists right it's 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 so problematic and that it's excluding right and erasing but it's also problematic because it is such a self-fulfilling prophecy to expect that moms are the ones doing the caregiving. Yep. Yep. Right. It like not right. Like they're all different kinds of families, and you know, mom is not always the one that is the primary caregiver, right? Um, like, and and I think that also it's um, like you were saying, it's also kind of offensive in the in the sense that uh, it's like, oh, because I'm a mom, I have to be the one doing this, or like, I'm a bad mom if I'm not doing it, sort of, this is a silly, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but when I, it's almost a situation of like, I don't know who should be more offended, Um, and one time I was working at a a deli, like making sandwiches, like a sub shop, and someone came, um, and we we only actually, I was still presenting as female at the time, and we only had one uh, man on staff, and he happened to be the person who made this customer sandwich, and he did something wrong, like he left one thing, like it wasn't like a big mistake, he like left one thing off or put the wrong thing on, whatever, mm-hmm. and this guy, uh, 
you know, this man came back and was so mad. And, we, and he was just like, this is a woman's job. You shouldn't even be doing this. And we were all just like, I don't know who should be more offended about this. Like, <laughs> But that's how I feel about the mom thing. I'm like, I don't know. It's offensive to everybody. Exactly. Nobody wins. Nobody no. wins. No. Right. So it would have anyway. been very, so it would have been, and, and I do appreciate that at the start of this book, they kind of talk about ed, like changing and adapting the language, but it would have been very easy to include yes. to just say parent instead of mom or caregiver um, instead of mom here. Right. Because then in a way it's like, are you just being lazy by telling me to adopt the language? <laughs> Right, exactly. You do the work. Mm. Um, uh, but so, so yes, that is, that is certainly a room to grow here. Um, but one that I, and maybe, I mean, we, um, cer- it is certainly a room to grow here. And I do encourage anyone reading this book to, to definitely adapt that language and even go in with some white out and just change that language for yourself. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh and so, and then it ta- so then it talks about kind of different con- family configurations, um, and it is pretty um, uh, loose. It doesn't do a lot of gendering there. Mm-hmm. Um, adopted foster families, adopted families. All these families are real families. All these families are important families. Um, and then it kind of transitions there from talking about family configuration to. Um, problems, right? So some sometimes families have big problems to solve. Kids and parents mm-hmm. might need help with their problems. These big problems are never the kid's fault. Yep, um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that picture shows a like a someone sitting with their back to us with holding a drink in their hand with like a lamp knocked over and there's children that are holding each other. Um oh wait, I, I think I think I remember is this I feel like I remember looking at this book. Is it it's, this isn't the one where it's like the person surrounded by beer cans, is it? Um, no, but he's clearly holding one. We're not clearly holding one. That could be a, a non-alcoholic sparkling beverage, but I don't think that it is. But no, <laughs> okay, it's just... I, I, I think I know. I think I, I think I know the book that you're talking about. Right. But, but this, I, I mean, and then this image, it. the choice, I think that, that Mary Gallagher made here to have like, this this big block of a green armchair. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you just see the back of a person like you would see if they're sitting in an armchair, right? You gotcha. see their shoulder and their arm and their head, but it's like just this and, and things knocked over around them. But it's mm-hmm. like just even just the wall of the armchair, right? Like the lack of connectivity. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a wall there between this person and these children. Um, which might be a good thing, but it also is like a emotional, you know, uh lack of connection there. Yeah. That was a powerful visual. Oh, jazzy doorbell again. <laughs> um, and so, and I, I like this line, when problems hurt kids, families need to change so kids will be safe. Mm. Uh, and so then it talks about, again, like how you might move from um, a birth family to a grandparent family or a foster family or an adoptive family. Um, and it shows a child like leaving with, looks like a grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then I also really like this line. I know that I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing what you do, which is sort of just read the whole book aloud. Like, <laughs> around, friend. Usually I try to keep it more global than this, but this, I really just like the messaging in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, birth parents might feel mad or sad or worried when their families change, but birth parents want their children to be happy. Birth mm-hmm. parents want their children to have a safe home. Right. So I, I think that that, um, 
I know that in one of the books that you mentioned, we talk about that all of the children's emotions are okay. Mm. I like that this is saying like, child, you might be reading some of these kind of negative or non-optimal emotions in your birth parent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and yes, you might be reading that emotion accurately, but, and they want you to be happy. They want you to be safe. You know, mm-hmm. like it's kind of um, yeah. giving a different spin. Because and I, al- and I almost don't mind that generalization. Cause like, we would hope that that's like an optimistic. We hope that that's true. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and just go with that. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I, I, I want to tell kids like, yeah, maybe your parents want what's best for you. I'm okay um, with that. <laughs> and, um, and then, and it does talk about when, when families change, kids can remember the happy times and the sad and mad and scary times too. Kids can remember and love their birth families. Kids can love their new families too. Um, yeah. And the, the art throughout this is it's very painterly and it looks like kind of just like photograph snapshots. And some of them are actually like the art is showing photographs and snapshots and mm. kind of frame pictures. Um, and there's a lot of different different uh, people represented. I do see some, I believe you could read as like non-heteronormative family creations, mm. which is nice. Um, and it does end with a lot of back matter. So it says oh, providing amazing. support and encouragement to young children experiencing termination of parental rights, a message to fo- parents, foster parents, social workers, teachers, and caregivers. Um, it talks about basically the challenge of kind of talking through all of this stuff with children um and kind of there have there's headings about um about uh helping manage stress understand trauma honor the child's past build a trusting relationship so there's a lot of um information and statistics and kind of support i love that Um, yeah so i think that this um, and then there's actually even further back matter. So this has a lot of back matter, um, a lot of resources. And um, yeah, I think my my way to go is for this are just the the messaging, most of the messaging, the, the example of not including, you know, kind of the mom-centered of that one page, yeah. um, notwithstanding. Um, and I like the, the art, I think is, is it's... Um, I like the style of the art and I like the choices mm-hmm. that she made in a lot of places and my rooms to grow are like, like we said, just making, I, there's some, there could be more ability difference throughout. Yeah. Um, and also there, um, like we said, that one page is, is too mom centered, mm-hmm. but overall, I really, I think this isn't a really strong title to include um, awesome. around this topic. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that was my that's my first book that I wanted to share, and again, it's called Families Change. Yeah, and, and I sort of like you were saying. I like that. Um, I like the idea that it's family families change because I feel like that is inherently true. <laughs> right, know? right. So we want to make sure that right. So a child who is in this experience um, doesn't feel othered. Right. Yeah, exactly. I like that. But it's like your family's changing in this way, but other families change in all kinds of different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and and that's an, an open door too to talk about the different ways that families, other families could change. Um, right. Like we could talk about divorce and we could talk about, you know, death and we can talk about, you know, a new sibling. And like, I, you know, I think that it's such a broad 
um, in a good way, you know, families change is such a broad statement that everybody is included in it. And it doesn't, like you were saying, other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I like that. I like the matter of fact language and the way mm-hmm. that it centers the child's experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. So that was book number one. The next book that I would like to talk about is called Coming On Home Soon. And it is written by Jacqueline Woodson. It's illustrated by E.B. Lewis. And it was published by G.P. Putnam and Sons in 2004. And it is a Caldecott Honor winner. Um, And so... Jacqueline Woodson, let me just pull up, I mean, Jacqueline Woodson, the, the inimitable Jacqueline Woodson, um, is, was actually grew up in, uh, South Carolina and Brooklyn. She's the author of over 30 books for children and young adults. Um, she's the recipient of the Coretta Scott King honor, mm. um, the Coretta Scott King award coming on home soon, as I mentioned, was a Caldecott honor. Um, she has three Newberry honors. She's, she's amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, she's also the, she's re- received the Margaret A. Edwards award for lifetime achievement in writing. She's oh received Jens Christian. She's got like a trophy award. shelf at home. Oh yeah. yeah it's a trophy <laughs> room. Um, she is a, Mac- she was the 2020 MacArthur fellow. Oh my God. Um, and this also- whole episode is just going to be us rattling off her <laughs> credentials. <laughs> And she served as the Poetry Foundation's Young People's Poet Laureate from 2015 to 2017. And all of this, this um, bio that I that I found, she has a really beautifully robust website with a lot of great resources. Mm. But this is from the Poetry Foundation has this nice oh, okay. um, bio that I'm that I'm kind of quoting from right now. Um, so Jacqueline Woodson is amazing. And so and um, E.B. Lewis. Now I get to talk about E.B. Lewis's credentials. Um E.B. Lewis is a Caldecott honor-winning illustrator, born in Philadelphia, um, an artist from a very young age, and majored in graphic design, um, began began illustrating in 1992, and has done a couple of different collaborations with with Jacqueline Woodson. Yeah, yeah, they have a couple books that they've done together and just beautiful, painterly, beautiful use of light. I know I was talking about the use of light, um, but uh, yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous illustrations. And so let me make sure I have my right um, tabs open. Okay, so coming on home soon, this is kind of a different, this is not a book that's explicitly about like, you know, how we talk about kind of that spectrum of problem stories or issue books Mm -hmm. to kind of just representation. So this is a story that is just kind of the representation of um, a kinship care situation. Okay. So the book takes place during the war, which we can kind of assume from context clues is World War II. Okay. And the situation is that it is a child who's um, with grandma and mom. And mom has mom says, um, let me just pull up. I'll just read you that first page. It says, um, mama's hands are, so- are warm and soft. When she put her Sunday dress into the satchel, I held my breath tried hard not to cry. Ada Ruth, she said, they're hiring colored women in Chicago since all the men are off fighting in the war. Mama folded another dress and put it in the bag. I'm going to head on up there. 
So we have a situation where um, the mother has decided that she needs to go find work. She's going to take an opportunity um, to go find work by, by leaving her and in doing so, she's going to leave her daughter with grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's unclear whether they kind of all live together anyway, okay. but in this inst- in this instance, we have a mom who's, who's, who's leaving the, ho- the home for a period of time. Um, and Ada Ruth is going to stay with her grandma. What a cute name. I know. Right? Ada Ruth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and so, uh, she says, uh, so it's, I'll just read the second page, just to kind of orient us to the story. Then she pulled me close to her, pressed her face against mine. Make some money I can send on home to you. Outside, a pretty rain fell, making the brown field shine. Ada Ruth, Mama said, do you know I love you more than anything in the world? Yes, Mama, I whispered. More than rain, more than snow, Mama whispered back, the way we'd done a hundred times before, or maybe a hundred thousand. Um. I just, because we were just talking about Les Mis, I can't, I can't not feel like this is just Fontaine and Cosette. <laughs> <laughs> Go find work, Fontaine. Um, yes. Except, so, you know, she's hopefully getting left with some more caring people than the Chardiers. Yes, no, no. There's no, <laughs> um, there's no castle on a cloud here. We have, uh, we have a lot. But, uh, and so, so this book is just, I mean, Jacqueline Woodson is a poet, right? So you're just mm-hmm. in, in this moment, like with this, this mother and daughter, like just the words are so lyrical. It's just lovely. Um, and so then you have, um, uh, it skips, well, not skips, but in the next, in the next double page spread, you have the child being held by grandma who's like holding her um, and kind of looking a little bit stoically out the window and like a lamp is illuminating them both. And it says, grandma holds me when I cry. Hush now, she says, it's going to be all right. Hush now, she says, your mom is going to be coming on home soon. Um, And so I love the way what this does with the grandma um, Ada Ruth relationship. You know, grandma is there. um, And throughout the story, her actions are just full of love and care and caretaking right so she she's holding her she's constantly um uh you know bringing firewood and and making sure that everyone's comfortable but her words are always very much like hush now like don't cry kind of that that kind of tension right between um kind of the expect the the showing her love through actions and not necessarily words Um, but very subtle very very subtle and so then um, we have a, a little kitten arrive on the scene who also is like a, um, a wonderful kind of metaphor for that same, that same tension because you have grandma saying like, you know, we can't keep it. You know, we can't keep it. Don't go getting attached now. Like, God, that's an ugly thing. But at the same time, it's like putting down a saucer of milk for it. Like <laughs> making sure it has a blanket to lay on in front of the fire, right? So, um, and so there's this lovely... Um, parallel that Ada Ruth and none of this is is said right this is all like Mm -hmm. implicit like that Ada Ruth um uh might feel like this kitten like Mm -hmm. not quite getting that same level of verbal emotional feedback that she gets from her Mm -hmm. mother like the very explicit I love you I love you more than this I love you more than anything um but she's also getting that caretaking from her grandmother Mm -hmm. right so 
so can, can I just an anecdote? So this just the whole thing with the kittens just made me think about when I when I was in college. Um, I ran uh, the anime club at my college uh, my freshman year, and um, uh, you know, because on a top of taking the twenty two credits, I was like, let's found and run a club. Mm-hmm. Um, and like so, <laughs> like yes, I mean this tracks. Um, and so anyway, so we were doing like a raffle. We were doing like an open mic night and a raffle. And I thought a cool thing, because, you know, everybody had like a beta fish in college because it was the only pet we could have. And I, I thought that would be a cool raffle thing. I was like, that's pretty cheap. It's like, what, six, ten bucks to buy a fish in a bowl, whatever. And it's like kind of a fun thing. So I bought it, but I bought it like a week in advance of the raffle. And I was like, I'm not going to let myself get attached to this fish. And so I refused to name the fish. So I would just be, I would just call the fish little guy. And then little guy just became the fish's name. And I had to keep the fish and get a new fish <laughs> for the raffle. Little guy lived like three years. He lived forever. And he Aww. was the most like interactive fish I've ever had in my life. Like if you talk to him, he would swim to the bowl and look at you. It was wild. Like, like consistently, if you like spoke with him, you would come in like he was listening. It was so right. funny. So the, the, the beta wanted to kill you. He saw you as a threat. And he, was <laughs> the edge of the he wasn't like fucking you. hitting against the ball like they do. He was just listening. <laughs> but anyway, that's what the cat made me think of. Right. Like, like, not to get attached to something. Right. They don't, they do not give the kitten a name. Um, right. And so, but, but the kitten is like, is lapping up a warm saucer of milk from the cow because they talk about the war right that there it says there, mm-hmm. there's a war going on some days not much food to speak of cornbread and clabber milk for more meal and supper right so this is a family that is experiencing hard times because they're in they're in the middle of a of a war a war <laughs> yes um uh, and so um she uh Ada Ruth says of the kitten, it's a slip of a thing, but its softness is big and warm as 10 quilts on my lap, warm as mama's hands. I rub the kitten's back. More than snow, mama said. I love you more than snow. I watch the snow come down fast. Try hard to remember the way my mama smelled, like sugar some days and some days like sun. Some days like the lye soap that turned her hands yellow but got the wash real clean. I blink hard, but the tears still try to come. So about missing, right? Missing mama. Um, and then we have grandma walking in from the snow, carrying a big load of wood. And it's like, oh, that, that cat would be full of fleas if it wasn't so cold. I can't get much uglier, right? So again, this kind of words are not necessarily her strength in showing emotion. Um, but, and, and also, you know, she's, they're watching the postman come every day, right? Because they're waiting for a letter, a letter from mama. They're waiting for um, word from her and they're not, they're not getting it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so grandma says, hush now, don't start that crying. But her eyes are sad. Like she's wanting to cry too. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, listening to the radio, kitten, very cozy. Um, and uh then in one, in one scene, the kitten's following them in the snow and, and grandma stoops up and lifts it into the coat. Like she's now holding the kitten, keeping it warm. Um, and then she says, uh, don't you know about cold snaps? Like to the kitten, how they come <laughs> on fast and sometimes stay. And I love that, um, like that that metaphor of like coming on fast and staying, right? Can mm-hmm. applies to this kitten, applies to this situation that like mama made this 
not spontaneous decision, but you know, like this sudden decision, like there's an opportunity here, I'm going to take it. But now this is taking so much longer than anyone thought to hear from her. Mm -hmm. Um, How a, you know, a foster, a child, a child who's going into foster care, like that decision has got to feel like a cold snap, right? Like it comes on fast all of a sudden your, your living situation is completely uprooted. Um, so yeah, just the Jacqueline Woodson's use of language, like her use of, of um, uh, metaphor is just. So funny. This, is, this is where like you and I are so different, where like you're such an intellectual. I would have never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> I read books and I'm just like, OK. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I mean, I think it's because it, and it, it's just it's because it's just like Jacqueline Woodson's language. It lends yeah. us. You know I mean, like you, you read it and you're like, Oh, there's more here. Like, Oh, yeah. I know there's a depth it's, here. I've got to find it. It's so funny because Kat always teases me because my, my wife, Catherine has a, has a degree in um, uh, one of her many degrees in cinema. And uh, she, so whenever we're watching things, she's always like, so deep. She's like the color and the lighting in this means. Th-. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just blue. <laughs> It's like, I don't think about that. I'm just watching the movie. I don't know. The kitten's cold. Whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a Grinch. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> oh, right. And I could just wax on and on, but you know, the, they're, they finally, the post, the post person comes. It actually, it looks like a post woman, but it's a little hard Ooh. to read. But so the, the, the mail carrier comes. And grandma, um, they're both just looking at this, this mail carrier beaming, like grandma has her hand over her mouth, right? Like, it's almost like she can't even show this much emotion, right? She's like, has to cover her mouth a little bit when she's like this happy, um, which I think is something that you see in people that are not like so used to expressing emotion very um, verbally, or or not emotive people. Um, And, uh, and then... It says, thank you, Lord. Grandma whispers uh, when he, so sorry, no, I, I misgendered the the post, the mail carrier. When he puts the letter with mama's beautiful cursive in her hand, money falling from it when grandma steams it open. And the first line, tell Ada Ruth, I'll be coming on home soon. Like a Aww. song you want to sing over and over. Um, and then they're, uh, they're reading the letter together. And, uh, you know, grandma's putting the blanket down by the fire with the, with, so the kitten can stay cozy um, and has a little bit of a change of heart. It says, quiet and halfway pretty when you look at her in just the right way. Um, and they are just basking in the glow of this letter. And then Aww. in the final scene, and there's a little more writing, but I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. <laughs> let you enjoy that final. Why stop now? I know, right? <laughs> Uh, and then the, la- the last image, I mean, it's just, oh, it's, I, I want this. I want this painting on my wall. It's mm. the, it's the bat, it's the, you're looking at the house and a tree and the snow and then a woman walking. You see her back, a woman walking toward the front door. Aww. And it's just really beautiful. So mama, mama's coming on home. Um, yeah. So I thought that that was a, a gorgeous representation of, of kinship care. Um, which happens in formal and informal ways all over mm. our, our, our world and throughout the, the, you know, the ages. Um, and I liked just the kind of emotional complexities of it. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, it's not a story that's centering Ada Ruth, you know, feeling nervous. I don't know if grandma likes me. It's nothing like that. It's just these subtle, um, subtle, you just get these impressions of, 
of kind of some of some of that ten- the tension that might be there, but also the the clear um, the work that's being done to make sure that everyone in the household feels secure and feels mm. you know, the care that's being done, even when the words aren't there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just a beautiful book. I love that. Yeah, grandma, grandma could use a little warmth sometimes, though. Come on, grandma. <laughs> but she was get, she was creating. I mean, she's literally building fires. She's offering <laughs> cocoa. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's, and then calling my cat ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But isn't that so like, I think that's such a generational like. Yeah, I was going to say it really does feel like a very grandma. I feel like grandmas are either one way or the other. Like they're either like super like giving you cookies and loving you and super sweet to you all the time. And even when you pull your antics and they're just like, oh, but it's my grandkid. And then there are the like little sassy grandmas. Right. I feel like it's also a very like cultural thing and a very, you know, like different different kinds of grandmas you know absolutely and yeah I mean yeah it resonated with and and right and so if this is a grandmother in in 19 in the 40s right that's fair she's seen some stuff right she's seen some stuff is a mild way of I think about that so much with my own grandparents who um are in their um, almost 90s now and I'm just like the stuff that's gone on in their lifetime is wild like that particular generation has just seen like so much yeah you know in in like almost the last hundred years between like wars and political stuff and just like like I think about just like all the different things that have got technology and I'm just like that's all got to be like a wild time to live in absolutely that's why when my grandma can't use Facebook I forgive her right (laughs) I'm just like you were born when there were no microwaves Oh my gosh. There was like one TV channel (laughs) and the whole building would gather around to watch it. (laughs) It's kind of flabbergasting to think about the change that the great generation has witnessed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So So if your grandma's a little sassy, okay. (laughs) A little stoic. She's lived through, this grandmother lived through the last pandemic. We're going to cut her some slack. So that's Coming on Homes. Coming on Home Soon by Jacqueline Woodson and illustrated by E.B. Lewis. Um, yeah. And then the third book that I wanted to talk about is called Elliot. And this book is a Canadian by Canadian author and illustrator. It was originally published in French and then translated. Oh, hey. So it's written by Julie Pearson, who is an adoptive parent. And it's illustrated by Manon Gauthier. Um, Apologies to French speakers who know how poorly (laughs) I butchered that. And published by Pajama Press in 2016. Let's or see. published in English by Pajama Press. It's probably Gautier. Gautier. Yeah, Manon. that would be my guess. Manon. Manon Gautier. Manon Gautier. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll just uh, sub, sub that in. Dub that. <laughs> just me saying, you talking and then me just yeah. going, me speaking. <laughs> exactly. Nothing has changed. Exactly. Keep it all in. I'll uh, get cat. To, I'll get cat to just say it over our yes, over your voice. <laughs> nice accent. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Hi, this is Catherine, sales wife and editor of this segment of the show. Just to tell you that we say Manon Gauthier. But good try, guys. <laughs> so um, 
Julie Pearson, I'll just read this a little bit about her bio. She's worked as an educator in child and youth centers, passionate about children and child development, um, lives in Quebec. And this was her first picture book. And she conceived of it during her first months as an adoptive mother. And um, Manon Goutier is a graphic artist who made the leap to picture book illustration in 2006. Um, her first book was shortlisted for the Governor General's Award for Children's Literature. So now she's a full-time illustrator and does art workshops across oh, Quebec. Cool. Um, and I got to check her out. Yeah, she lives in Montreal, actually. Man, we and, probably know each other. It's so small. <laughs> and so this book is, um, and so this book, she does kind of mixed uh, like mixed media collage, you know, like the the characters are drawn and then collaged onto the background in a way that's very, um, very winning, very, and uh, yeah, and it's the the protagonists are they are actually all of the characters are bunnies, so this is one of those anthropomorphized books where the bunnies are 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 bunnies. Hmm. Bunnies. Yes, bunnies, bunnies. Um, <laughs> although I, I was reading some of the the criti- the criticism or the 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 what call it? The reviews of this book, and mm-hmm. one thing that is mentioned kind of across the board is that um, it it doesn't quite it isn't clear from the cover or the title that it is a book about um a fo- like a foster care experience mm. or a child going in and out of foster care um and and because the art is so delightful like it's definitely something that someone might pick up kind of unexpectedly just thinking it's going to oh be oh my gosh it's funny. so cute. it's like collagey kind yes, of yes yes oh my and god it's so cute so it's, it's interesting that like um that this book in particular kind of warranted that like that trick like that trigger warning or that content well, warning where yeah. like well i could totally see that like, because right don't put this on your easter table right <laughs> it well, was there, well there are so many that. books right i can see this looking like there are definitely other books that are just like a cute little animal with a name right right, right and so it, like and yeah. it doesn't have a subheading like some of the other books we featured mm-hmm. that are like for mm-hmm. children who are having their parental rights terminated right like this is it yeah. just it looks like it could just be about a bunny oh my god there's so i'm finding uh I, this is in French, so I can't tell if this is like a thing for sale or a thing that like she just made. But there's there's a little Elliot plushie. Oh, I'm, I'm on her her blog. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, I I would be very curious actually to do a side by side with the French version of this book because there's some languaging mm. in this book that I wonder if it's the translation or if it's the kind of original intent. So, uh, well, uh, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me let me talk about the story first. Um. So Elliot is, it begins, um, it begins, it, it, it ends by saying, let me get to the right spot. This is the story of Elliot, a playful little boy who was full of life. His mother and father loved him very much. And I think that's a very important premise, right? That this child mm-hmm. is playful, full of life, um, and is very much loved by his mother and father. Um, and then it says, but when Elliot cried, his mother and father did not understand why. When Elliot yelled, his mother and father did not know what to do. When Elliot misbehaved, his mother and father did not know how to react. And in that picture, you actually see, so Elliot, it looks like has broken a face and is mm-hmm. looking very fearful like perhaps mm. there's been some explosive reactions or some non-optimal mm. or 
kind of corporal corporeal reactions um, to to kind of what's being called here misbehavior but I wish this is a room to grow I wish that it said like had an accident or um, just like kids being kids yeah yeah so I I wish that it said made a mistake or similar right this is some of the languaging that I wonder if we got our hands on a French copy if it would Yes, if there would have been a more yeah. kind of optimal translation of the... Because that definitely does happen when we're translating books, right? Right, right. Um, and so, let's see. And so, and then it says, um, so there's kind of this um, rhythm of crying, yelling, misbehaving. And we're going to see that rhythm kind of throughout the story. And it says, one day, Elliot's parents asked for help. That's when Thomas came to visit. He said he would take Elliot to stay with another family until his parents learned how to take better care of him. Mm. And so um, uh, I wanted to pause here just to kind of talk a little bit about some rooms to grow. Um, So I think that uh, what came up in a lot of the, like kind of the reviews and critiques of this book is that it is really important, like that, adult the adult reader kind of makes it clear to the child reader or child listener that Elliot's behaviors are perfectly okay right yeah that it's not Elliot did something wrong because it does like I think where where maybe it misses the mark for me is a little little bit is just like 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 it's not just that they don't know how to respond like that, that they're responding inappropriately the parents right and that's so that they, it's a very it's not really cool it's a very gentle kind of, um, Mm -hmm. I like that it is not, um, villainizing the parent, the birth parents. But it does leave a little work to do on the reader's part. Exactly. That that, like, if you misbehave and I don't know if I'm like, I don't know why you're crying. I'm not going to send you to another call. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I think that there's some conversation that should happen, that should happen there. Like with the child, like, is it okay that Elliot was crying? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. What what do you think? You know, like, yeah. So there's, I I think that teasing that apart and really making sure the messaging is that, um, that sometimes parents don't know what to do and they, they figure it out or they, they learn in this case, it is that the, the parents didn't know and were making choices that were harm that were harmful right like yeah something that that makes it very clear that yeah because in parenting you often don't know what to do so there's a situation here where the parents um needed more support than they were able to have on their own i guess in learning how to parent um and some of the some of the reviews read um elliot as a child who might have um kind of some uh, I don't think about how it was how it was worded, but something about like, like some um, kind of behavioral stuff, but or like yeah, some like developmental yeah okay yeah um um the kind of a, a child a ch- it was explained in one review as like a child with emotional developmental difficulties mm-hmm. right but but it's on it's not stated that it's, it's not, not clear yeah yeah, if that's yeah. The intention or not. Um, and like, even so, like, I don't know that that makes a difference, right? Like, it's, it's not like, like, the point is that the parents weren't responding appropriately to whatever the, you know, whatever Elliot was doing, regardless of whether or not 
there's anything going on there. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, and I, I don't know. I don't know that. Because to me, that, like, if it were true that there were some things, go- it, some things going on for Elliot, I feel like it almost makes it like, oh, well, that makes him a more difficult child. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like there's something there for me that, like, it doesn't matter to me whether or not something was going on or not. Right. The, right. And I think, I think the most important messaging is that in this situation, these parents were, couldn't create, couldn't maintain an environment yeah. that was safe mm-hmm. for Elliot, that yes. their reactions to his child, his, his, to his behavior that are completely okay for children mm-hmm. to make mistakes, for children to cry, for children to yell, they were not responding in a way that was safe for him. Yeah. Um, but I will say at this at this juncture that I'm really glad that Elliot and his parents are um, present as white bunnies mm-hmm. because, as we know, um, there is a lot of of where there's becoming more and there's more and more reporting um, that that the CPS and the foster care system. Um, is really biased against um, families of color, like black, yep. black families, um, brown and, and families, also, and families and also, living in poverty. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just <laughs> going to say, and also there's this idea that um, black and brown boys specifically are more, you know, rambunctious or more troublemakers or that kind of weird stereotype as well. Right. Um, so I appreciate that this, right. that they didn't happen to go that route because exactly like, yeah yeah but it is a little bit um like based upon some other podcasts i've listened to and some articles that mm-hmm. i've read and some things um that are out there right now um uh, in in recent years around kind of families um around children being taken from from their like black children being taken from their families mm-hmm. and not put into kin kinship care relationship you know kinship care um yep households, which is why I really appreciate that uh, the last book, I don't even know if I mentioned that um, Jacqueline Woodson and E.B. Lewis are both black and the family featured in Coming on Home Soon is a black family. I, I just kind of assumed, I don't, I don't know why I assumed that, but, but I, yeah, so that, I, that, yeah. I, I, um, so that is a fam that was a representation of kinship care, black family, um, which we know. And can not- you just, I was just going to say this, just in case people don't know from or didn't understand from that context, what is kinship care? Kinship care is when you are, when you are either placed in the care, placed in care formally or informally with a family member. Mm-hmm. So in that case, she, Ada Ruth stayed with grandma. So that was um, kind of an informal kinship care situation, okay, gotcha. but sometimes kinship care can look like um, grandma getting custody of a child, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the, the, the birth, birth parents might have visitation rights or, or, or not. So it's just sort of like when they're placed with a family member. Yeah, family member, right. Yeah, like I had one of my best friends growing up was raised by her grandparents. Right, right. Yeah, they well, had, I think they had custody of her. Yeah, yeah lots of kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, I was a little, knowing everything that I, learning everything that I'm learning about the foster care system and kind of the, the, the room to grow in the foster care system. I did feel also that the languaging that like basically Elliot's parents asked for help and the mm. help is that the child is removed from the home, you know, like that yeah. also could be, um, I, and I understand the kind of the impetus behind wording it this way in terms of like wanting to speak gently to a, a child who has mm. been removed from a home. And it sounds like this author is 
is in the experience of being an adoptive parent, perhaps yeah. a child who has been in this situation. So I completely understand the wording behind it, but, and um, it does leave, there are some problematic, sorry, yeah. yeah, some problematic components too. Well, yeah, like you guess. wouldn't want to think that like any time a family asks for help, that they're going to be taken away, right? Right. Um, like if a family, you don't want you a know, child to think that. and you don't Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. It's like, you don't want a child to, th- you know, if a family is saying like, oh, you know, we're going to go to, let's see, a therapist because we need help or whatever. Right. right? I don't, I don't right. want the child to think, oh, no, they're going to take me away because that one time in that book, that's right. what happened. Well, and, <laughs> so, except, and also, though, except that maybe like, yeah, that it is a problem that this does happen, right? That families yeah. might need help. Families are living in poverty or families need some mm-hmm. support around the stressors in their lives. And instead, there is a jump to let's take your child from you. Yeah. Um, I didn't so, think about that. So thank you. Yeah. So the, I mean, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about this book because I think that there it's doing some things in a very it's doing some things well and it does show up on lists but I do want us to talk I'm glad that we're talking through kind of the more problematic components Mm -hmm. and the rooms to grow um and so Elliot um goes into he goes into a household where it kind of follows that rhythm of when he cries and it talks about like how it's handled in a more optimal way when he cries and when he yells and when he Mm. misbehaves, which I, again, I think we should say, um, is (laughs) accident or mistake. Yes. Um, and then he goes back home, right. Which we don't usually see in books is this like back and forth, like, going into foster care and then returning to, mm-hmm. to your family of origin. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the family is just still unable to kind of meet his mm-hmm. needs. And so he goes to another family who again, um, meets his needs more optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and L and throughout this, it also talks about how he continues to, to, his, his, his birth parents come and play with him. Right. So there's like visitation happening throughout these, um, you know, that's something that I haven't seen in a lot of books. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like in maybe days, for example, like they talk about it, but it's not a narrative. So in a lot of the narrative books I haven't seen, it's more about acclimating to being with a new or different family as opposed to like, yeah, I haven't, I don't think I saw that in any of the books that I looked at talking about visitation. Yeah. yeah. So it says um, in the first, in the first instance where he's with the first family, the first foster family, it says often Elliot's mother and father came to play with him. One day Thomas told Elliot he could go home with his mother and father. They were ready to take care of him again. They were excited to bring him home. Elliot didn't, did want to go with his parents, but it worried him so much that he wanted to yell. So mm. there's some, and so then he does go home and then it turns out that his family, his parents really are not um, able to meet his needs. And so he goes to the second family. And again, um, often Elliot's mother and father came to play with him, even though Elliot was happy with his new family, he still wanted to go home with his mother and father. Um, and that worried him so much that he wanted to misbehave. So it's kind of talking mm-hmm. about the way I, I sort of like the way that it's saying he wanted to yell, he wanted to misbehave. I don't, but I also don't think that necessarily when children are communicating through those behaviors that they They're are thinking, thinking like, I, I want, want to, to do, do this. this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, so again, yeah. like that languaging is like kind of, kind of 
great, but also missing the mark at the same time. Yeah, like I think it totally. could have gone through another round of editing, or at least this translation could have gone through another round of editing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with the sight of someone with a stronger background in kind of, you know, this, this system yeah. or child trauma um, or child development. And so then um, Thomas comes back um, and it's, I think, I also think it's interesting that Thomas is the, other than Elliot is the only person who's named. So Thomas is the social worker. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, and yeah, that, that person does have like a lot it's for a child probably has a lot of power, right? Like has a lot yeah. of, of resonance in a life when all of this transition is happening constantly. Um and so Thomas comes and explains that Elliot's parents can never could never take care of him because they did not know how, um, and that Thomas mm-hmm. is for a new family for Elliot, a forever forever family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they find a new family, and um, they it does say that his family that his parents come and play sometimes with him still, um, although they are not featured in kind of the adoptive there's like a little celebration about when he's like formally adopted and the Mm. the birth parents are not, did not seem to be present in that picture. Mm. Um, But he, so it says sometimes Elliot's mother and father still came to play with him. Every time they did, he was afraid it would be the end of his new life. So it's kind of saying that he's happy there. Although I do think that maybe they could leave a little more room for him still being like happy to see his parents and, you know, loving his parents. Um, um, and it worried him so much that he wanted to run away. His new parents reminded him, you are part of our family now forever, forever. Um, and then they have the, the adoption and the adoption party. And then it ends with, um, and since that day, every night, Elliot treasures the words, his new parents whisper in his ear. I love you forever, forever. Um, and that's the end, which is kind of a nice bookend for the like the, the story which says that it's kind of the story of Elliot a playful mm. little boy and it ends like it's it's more the story of his security than the story of his adoption yeah uh, right so but um but I do think that I would have loved to see just a little bit of a different representation of his birth parents in those final pages um yeah but so rather than it kind of just being this whole new chapter for him but again like if you're an adoptive parent and your your kind of primary impetus in putting this book together is to kind of um work through some stuff with with a child in your care i i completely understand where where the messaging is coming from mm. so so yeah that i i think both of us are like hmm <laughs> <laughs> so i would say that the way to go is for this book i think that it's doing some things like it's, rep- it's representing a cycle that we don't often see in picture books i think the art is absolutely delightful i like i like some of the messaging but i also think some of the languaging really misses the mark hi this is katrin still the wife of set and still editing that podcast just to tell you that I found a French version and Rebecca was totally on point saying that the translation was a bit, bit clunky because it was pretty clear in the French version that it was not Elliot's fault and Elliot's behavior were normal. It's really that the parents were unfit to be parents. Usually I save my opinion for a set on a message text, but I felt it was important because the French and the English version have big differences in this 
part where we understand a bit more of Elliot's interiority and being scared and confused toward the books. While in English, I felt when I read it that it was more at the end, that it was more uh, inspected. Though I still recommend the book, even in English, because it's a lovely story and it's worth a read. But if you are a francophone or can understand and read French, I suggest the French version just a tad better. And yeah. I think while I really like the inclusion of the birth parents, I would have liked to see a little bit more honoring them in the final pages of the story. So that is another place that I would yeah. I would introduce some questions like, do you think Elliot still loved his birth mom and, and birth dad? And do you think they still loved him? And kind of talk through that and kind of talk yeah, totally. to where talking about the role that they will continue to play in his life and the importance that they have in his life um, rather than kind of just shifting to like, and now this is his new family and now they love him. <laughs> okay, bye. And, right, right, right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I like that. And I think, I mean, I think like you said, you know, with, as is the case with, I think almost all of these books um, and many books that we talk about, it's just like, there's definitely some editing that you kind of might have to do on the fly or, you know, get that whiteout out. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I think um, I still, you know, I still, it seems like uh, it's still a good, a good story and I have to I would love to get my hands on it in French sometime yeah um, to see what the make cat read it to me exactly <laughs> me too bedtime cat, story yeah, yeah cat story time with cat I love it. <laughs> yeah now, that would be interesting to see um to look at those side by side and, and think about it's it's funny because I actually have two books uh about COVID um that uh they okay Quebec is awesome basically they're like so they're like government sort of approved books um they were government funded that are available at the dollar store so accessible Mm -hmm. to just about you know as as accessible as you can get um and they're bilingual because they're published here in quebec and they're bilingual books about one is about more about like covid what is it what's happening and the other one is like how to be a helper um sort of during covid um uh, and they're, they're both really good, but I loved that. Uh, that was one of the things that we were, Kat and I were sort of read them together. Um, and it was so funny cause that's one of the things she was like, I can tell this was written in this language first because like, you wouldn't say that in the other language. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, there were certain things like she can always tell like what language something was written in first, like when it's, you know, French English stuff, obviously, uh, cause there's languages she speaks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she can always be like, yeah, cause that doesn't really mean the same thing. Like the French was much more like it made it was much more sort of thorough and um you know whereas the English we were like that's not really what you meant like it still works but like it's not really the same connotation as the French right fascinating yeah but anyway that's a whole other whole other podcast yeah I'll put that one on my list of other podcasts (laughs) to start oh my gosh yeah no the more that I'm like thinking about this final page yeah I wish in Elliot I wish that it had been more of a closing the loop on on I don't know like either a callback to like him being a playful little boy and his parents love him and then talking about like now he had two sets of parents who loved him or something mm-hmm. like that, that really yeah just like circle back yeah yeah like totally. this page really seems like it's for Julie Pearson's like particular situation rather than mm-hmm. kind of um putting yeah. the putting this closing the loop on this story 
Yeah. So, yeah, one more round of well, editing. Well, and I think that's where it can get tricky when you're sort of writing a book for your situation or your child. Um, I think that sometimes uh, when I've read books like that, where that was the circumstance, I think sometimes you can lose sort of the bigger picture. Um, not necessarily that's a bad thing, but it just makes it for a more narrow audience. Right. Or, you know, and, or uh, you need to edit and do things that we were talking about. Yes. And this is a, this is a beautiful book. It is a published book. It is, you know, it's well done, but, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me think <laughs> of how like every person thinks that they have a picture book inside them or like that they're, what they, yeah. what the, the story they're telling their child at bedtime, like should be a story that everyone will love, right? Like rather than recognizing that um, kind of the, uh, that there is a distinction between um, being a storyteller for your child and in your family and all, all of the importance that comes with that and like actually being a picture book author. Yeah. And that's not to say that, Ju- that yeah. Julie Pearson oh, is not, oh no, just to say Julie Pearson, you know, like I said, this is a there's a lot that I really like about this book. This is a published book. Julie Pearson is a children's book author. She has done this work, but but I, I think that she she has room to grow as to deepen her to deepen her um, her practice and her work as an author. And I look absolutely. forward to see what she comes up with next. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I totally agree. I think that. Um, it's funny because <laughs> doing this kind of work, I'm always like, I should write a book about that. Um, when there's no good books or I, I'm seriously, um, I mean, seriously, I don't know how seriously I am, but I would really love to write after doing research for, um, one of the upcoming topics we're going to be talking about is ADHD and ADD. Um, and I have ADHD and I had a really hard time finding books, um, that I liked or that I felt represented, uh, you know, that experience well. And I was, it was so funny. I was like, I'm going to write a book about ADHD. Right. I don't know that that'll ever happen. But, you know, I think that we all have those moments where we're like, oh, like this, like I have this story, you know, personal story, or I have this personal experience and there aren't a lot of things. And, um, you know, and, you know, do do I, I don't know if I should be the person to write that book, but. Well, you could be the person to write it, but you also need a good editor (laughs) to help you. And Uh, also, uh, if you want to write that book and you need a consultant, I'm here. Yes, exactly. I do all that. (laughs) Someone with ADHD, I'm here for you. Uh, And it might take me a long time to write ADHD. Editor, I'm here. (laughs) There, we have, we have the whole package. (laughs) And I also want to say, Julie Pearson, if you Google, looks like a badass, looks like someone I would would want to get to know. So like I said, I'm very excited to see what she comes up with next. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know why I'm saying words. <laughs> I'm just at one of those like, bleh, bleh, bleh. um, sometimes I do this. It's so funny when like I'm doing the, the other, you know, the main sort of podcast episodes, uh, with the panel of folks, I'll just start saying something and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just like talking for the sake of talk. Like, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I just start saying a sentence and I'm like, eh, bleh, bleh. and I don't have and, a conclusion to that statement. Yeah. We yeah. like to keep it loose over here on way to go, room to grow, <laughs> keep it all in. Yeah, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, thank you for joining me. And thank you listeners for, for joining us for our mad rambling silliness. Um, yes. And hopefully with, there's with a smattering of book that. reviews in exactly. between. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe we should rebrand. <laughs> like us talking about silly things and then also sometimes and sometimes books (laughs) oh my gosh but anyway uh thank you and uh have a lovely rest of your day
You too. Enjoy your next podcast recording. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) And remember, stay rad.